Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good Friday morning. It is 830 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen, Economic Indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer RIA that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. No economic indicators at 8.30 this morning. Coming up at the top of the hour, Bill Dudley, the New York Fed chief, is going to be speaking, opening remarks at a conference on banking supervision, so I'm not sure. Boring. Policy stuff. We get the University of Michigan's preliminary sentiment indicators at 10 o'clock. Expected to rise a little bit. That'll be interesting to see if that indeed happens. Now, we just did have, as long as we did the, you know, the Justin Trudeau yesterday interview, we'll give the Canada CPI numbers. Uh, inflation there cools a little bit. 1.4% year on year, uh, price increase in February versus the 1.5% forecast. So, uh, now you're up to date on, uh, economic indicators in North America. Uh, Steve Blitz is the chief economist at ITG investment research. Uh, Steve, uh, the Canada numbers uh, aren't necessarily relevant for the United States, affected as they are so much by energy. But um, we are seeing a rise in core prices here in the U.S. And uh, Janet Yellen, during her news conference this week, sort of dismissed that as no big deal, transitory. Do you agree? Are we going to see inflation like Canada start to go down again? Um yeah, probably. I mean, I think when you look at the gap between where the economy is and trend growth and the fact that it's still very, very wide um, and the fact that you have real 10-year yields still trolling around the 50 basis point level, it's very hard to make the case that you have a traditional kind of a uh, inflation going on where you're really getting a bits of capital, a lot of borrowing, a lot of leverage spending on either the household or the uh, or the corporate side that would uh, ultimately drive up inflation. So I suspect that she's more correct than not. Uh, she also said in a press conference, though, that uh, these numbers tend to swing around a lot, and they accepted undershooting for a while, and they'd be more than happy to accept some overshooting for a while as well. You think that's what they're getting at with their uh, plans to slow down the, the rate of rate increases that they uh, are going to just sort of look look the other way as inflation rises I think that's that's a good big part of it yes I would I would agree with that and I think she also uh understands that look they eased right and what they did was put in a trajectory of policy that I think is much more in line with where the real economy is. Uh, you know, everyone focuses on the spot rate, what are they going to do with the overnight funds rate? But if you go back to the last year and a half, two years, and you track the forward federal funds rates in the market, and then everything in the Treasury curve just gets priced off of that as you go out to 10 years, uh, the Fed 
went way too high in their real rates, and the economy did what it should do, what it normally would do. The economy slowed. The equity market underperformed. Uh, they reversed that in terms of their forward guidance, and I think that they have a much more realistic uh, projection of getting to sort of 85 basis points or whatever it is uh, by the end of this year, realistic in terms of what is truly neutral for the economy that we really have. Uh, Steve, what's with us with I, uh, ITG? Steve, when I when I think about getting over the weekend to next week, it gets me to the end of the quarter. Right now, link this blot economy with, and forget about the headlines of Wall Street being very slow, where their revenues and profits are going to be given low nominal GDP. I mean, is the great mystery for the year that's a single digit world finally for corporations? Uh no, you're right. Um, I think, though, that the corporate growth in profits probably does pick up a little bit in the second quarter. Uh, and certainly this, the weaker dollar will help a little bit in that way on the translation. But look, 30% of the U.S. economy is in the tradable goods sector. And you can't escape the fact that if the rest of the world is growing more slowly, it's going to negatively impact growth here. It's not a equation that... Uh, the three of us grew up understanding intuitively, uh, but that's where we are. And it's very difficult. You know, I mean, there's certain very domestic-oriented businesses, obviously, that are a little bit different. But it's very difficult to get strong corporate profit growth uh, for U.S. firms when so much of uh, the world is part of uh, the U.S. economy. In the minute we have left, uh, give us uh, your outlook. After this week of central banks acting around the world, you feel better about the prospects for global growth or uh, neutral, feeling worse? What? Well, I don't feel worse. Um, I think that, well, first of all, I, I think that the Fed finally, in my from my perspective, I think the Fed finally locked into a, a funds rate trajectory that makes sense. And they certainly did no harm. Uh, and they'll go in, in, in June. Um, the key for the U.S. is simply holding up the equity market because, as they wrote, the uh, – Consumer sector and housing is most important, and we know that the continued employment is one part of it, and uh, the asset value of the equity market is the other part of it. So uh, I've been at the 2%, 2 2.5%, more like 2 for the the year, that housing is the driver for growth this year, and uh, nothing's really changed to dissuade that. The issues globally are just bigger than negative rates are going to be able to fix. Steve Blitz, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it with ITG uh, this morning. After a really interesting week, I, I really can't say enough about our global economic team. Marty Schenker uh, in Washington leading our economic and government coverage uh, worldwide. It has been truly a worldwide week uh, as well. Part of that currency is early this morning and even yesterday early morning yen with massive strength. We had a 110 handle. Right now, 111.52. Currencies have given up some of the tension seen two, three hours ago. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders says Hillary Clinton is still beatable for the Democratic presidential nomination. Sanders says in several western states, and it offers him a chance to catch up. 
Clinton holds a lead of more than 300 committed delegates, but Sanders rejects the notion that she's got it all but sewn up. European Union leaders are meeting with Turkish Prime Minister Ahmet Davutoglu in Brussels today. The EU is negotiating with Turkey to accept thousands of refugees in exchange for aid money and faster EU membership consideration. The Prime Minister says the refugee crisis is not something to bargain over. For Turkey, the refugee issue is not an issue of bargaining, but an issue of value, all humanitarian values as well as European values. North Korea has launched a missile into the sea as it continues to condemn any ongoing annual military exercise conducted by South Korea and the U.S. A South Korean military expert says Pyongyang may have been testing a re-entry vehicle that could house a nuclear payload. The test violated multiple U.N. Security Council resolutions. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Mike Lubar. Mike, Tom? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stasha. Mike, typical first day of the NCAA tournament. Two 12 seeds beat five seeds, two 11 seeds beat sixes. One game went double overtime, another one with a second to go. Providence on a layup top USC 70 to 69. That double overtime game was Arkansas Little Rock who trailed by 14 late in regulation and ended up beating Purdue 85-83. The other 12 seed to win was Yale, its first NCAA game since 1962, 79-75 over Baylor. Makai Mason, 31 points, fourth time in seven years. The Ivy League champ has won its NCAA opener. Yale versus Duke tomorrow. Six seed Seton Hall coming off the win at the Big East Tournament. Struggled, lost to Gonzaga, 68-52. Rough night for Pirate Star. Isaiah Whitehead, only 10 points on 4 of 24 shooting. He was 0 for 10 on three-pointers. The other six seed to lose was Arizona, beaten by Wichita State, 65 to 55. Iona was ousted in, by Iowa State, 94-81. Last game for Gale Star, A.J. English. He scored 28. Stony Brook's first NCAA game ever, 85-57, lost to Kentucky. UConn won the tournament two years ago. Huskies are on another postseason run, just took the AAC tourney. They opened up the NCAAs with a big second half, 74-67 over Colorado. Sixteen more games today and tonight. They'll be four played in Brooklyn. In Chicago, the Nets were down 18 at the half. They lost to the Bulls 118-102. In L.A., the Rangers led 3-1 the third period. The Kings came back. Andre Kopitar tied the game and then won it in overtime 4-3. The Islanders failed to take advantage, beaten by Nashville 4-2. The Devils erupted, scored three times in the first and second periods. They won 7-4 over Minnesota. With Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stephanie. John, thanks so much. Greatly appreciated. Uh, don't forget, a modest talk of a modest storm Sunday across the Northeast. Rob uh, Carolyn giving us perspective here. We hope to do that as we move through uh, the morning as well. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, your discussion on economics, finance, investment, international relations. We will not talk about my NCAA bracket. A moment of silence for that right now. The sports report was brought to you by Ray Katina Auto Group. Let Ray Katina show you the way to affordable luxury driving. Visit any one of their 16 beautiful showrooms in New Jersey and New York. Call 1-800-NEW-AUTO or go to RayKatina.com for special offers.